0: I'm just getting a little bit of a better angle here with some DVDs underneath.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got like, I've got the wind up bird Chronicle. And, oh, that's uh, a good what one. Else? I, I have a James Baldwin book that I haven't read yet. It's a book of fiction. hero called, uh, tell me how long the train's been gone. So mm. I really, I'm really looking forward to reading that, but yeah, so cool. it's, it's kind of nice to see these things here, these books, you know, that are waiting for my attention, but I'll get them eventually.
0: <laughs> I saw something, I think it was the onion posted something about like, book enters you know like one year anniversary of being used as tripod or something like that it's pretty funny
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i've got all like my film books and like yeah those are all like the bigger books that are that are propping up the laptop and then i've got the smaller ones that are propping up the microphone because i'm now standing because i'm realizing i've been sitting too much and i feel like a slug so trying to move my body more often and just be more intentional about that you know yeah um especially with this new it's called the autonomous avo chair mm. and you can't see it right now, but no. this thing is like so fucking comfortable that like when I sit down in it, I'm just like, I'll be here all day. See you later. <laughs> like I just, I don't even feel like getting up and usually office chairs are really hard for me. Right. Like I really struggle with them, but this is the first office chair I've ever had that is so comfortable that, um, Oz and I fight over it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. But he, he usually does his work at night, so it's fine. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's nice to, it's, I mean, I'm privileged in the sense that I could do that, like on a payment plan, get a chair like this. Sure. It's not super expensive. It was under $300, but, um, that's still a lot of chunk of change Absolutely. during the pandemic. Um, but being able to do it on a payment plan, it was reasonable. So,
0: nice. Um,
1: yeah, I won't be having any Herman Miller chairs anytime soon. One are those? Like three or something? Oh
0: yeah. Something like Boosh. that. I don't know.
1: <laughs> What's that money? I don't understand. <laughs> Those air on chairs what's
0: that the air chairs that you see and like the, that was always the kind of boardroom chair at all the cool offices yeah the kind of mesh yeah. back
1: right yeah those ones right the, you know they're i never found those all that comfortable even in offices that i've been in that have had really cool chairs like i don't know not, not They're definitely
0: much. a step above what I've got in my office at home. And right now I'm sitting on a wooden Ikea chair. So, you know, it's definitely better than that. <laughs> Although this is, you know, this is good for keeping my back straight, which is important.
1: I'm Robbie McDonald.
0: And I'm Jordan Lane.
1: We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have a shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife.
0: Holy shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD.
1: This is a podcast about ADHD hosted by two people with ADHD.
0: While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process.
1: We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife.
0: If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. So
1: we were going to talk today about um, rest and Mm -hmm. sleep and How's that going for you these days? Are you sleeping
0: well? You know what? I'm sleeping better than I have been in a little bit. Um, And Mm -hmm. part of that is uh, I sent off a tweet storm the other night, or rather a retweet storm about just a bunch of weighted blanket shit. Uh, This was probably about, I don't know, a week and a half ago, something like that. Um, And so, yeah, so it's interesting because um, that is something that, of course, I'd heard about for a while. And... Made sense to me in certain contexts, um, similar to kind of like the I knew that I enjoyed kind of like enclosed spaces more than Mm. uh, regular people did, but didn't understand that there was like, you know, a a correlation to ADHD with that. Um, And similarly, you know, that that's a similar thing for people with autism. And then Mm. uh, the kind of like pressure sensations is, is another kind of like overlap between ADHD and autism and that like, Mm -hmm. um, getting that kind of sense of comfort and, and to get your Mm -hmm. kind of body to stop moving and those kind of like involuntary ticks and be like, okay, it's time to settle. And pressure is a big part of that. Um, and so I've been in physio for probably, geez, I don't know about 10 weeks or something now for, uh, Mm -hmm. my shoulder and my elbow issues. And, um, something I've kind of been laughing about with, the physiotherapist is like gosh i wish these adjustable physio and massage beds weren't like three grand because i would (laughs) love to plunk my ass face down with a a face hole and just sleep like Mm -hmm. this like this is the most comfortable thing it's it's for a very long time i slept uh face down with my head turned to the side and my arm up over my head but then after Mm -hmm. a car accident i couldn't do that anymore and mm. so I was really having trouble getting to sleep and I'd now recognize that as probably an effect of the pressure. I wanted the pressure of my body pushing the front end of myself, which is kind of like where I'm, I guess, more, um, sensory stimulus sensitive, kind of pushing mm. that, pushing me down into the mattress and kind of like, okay, like my limbs can stop kind of twitching. Now I can like relax a little bit. Um, mm. and so, a weighted blanket, if you think about it, is kind of that, but you're just on your back getting that pressure from the front instead, and mm-hmm. so that's been, yeah, like i've I've noticed an immediate improvement in sleep from it.
1: oh, that's amazing. I've been curious about those for a while. Um, my younger sister um, has been using one very successfully for anxiety for a mm. while um and it, yeah, now that I think about it, that that feeling of kind of pressure and being held like in a cocoon um, because I do kind of partner <laughs> will tell you this I have this habit of cocooning myself in the in the sheets, right? So there's not a lot left for him. Um, so maybe that's something I could look into as well to help with the sleep bit. Um, although lately I have been I've been having quite deep sleep. Oh awesome. Vivid dreams. Like I was an assassin, and I was like, <laughs> I was like taken down like Jerry Kushner, and like all these like I was shooting people. Like I, <laughs> I don't even like guns, but in my dreams, I was like running around killing all the bad guys. It was almost like a video game or something. That's hilarious. But I did read something that when you sleep a bit later, that that's when the, the like when you get that like super REM sleep is mm. when you have the really vivid dreams. Mm. Um, and I have been noticing lately that I'm, I am sleeping through the night. Sleeping awesome. nine hours-ish. Um, last night was, yeah, I think it was even longer than that. And it was lovely um, because I've struggled with insomnia most of my life, even when I was a kid. Like, I remember, like, hot summer Ontario nights with it being really muggy and too hot to sleep. And I just remember that feeling of just, like, being awake, like, three in the morning and everything was still and feeling so scared.
0: Wow what 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 made you scared
1: um, I was scared I think that I would never fall back asleep again that oh. would always be like my fear, but it just you know garden variety fear as well as like a, you know a little kid growing up with um you know family separation and turmoil and all that stuff um I think it's partly now knowing what I do about ADHD about um, that early childhood attunement that is so key and I think one of the reasons I had all these abandonment issues and fears and my mom, um, I realize this isn't necessarily related to sleep or rest, but she shared something with me yesterday. We were talking on the phone. She's been reading scattered minds. I suggested Mm. it to her and she's like transfixed. She's binging on it, so to speak. She can't put it down. Right. And it, it sparked a memory for her of, um, when she was having me, when she was in labor with me, she'd already had two kids, she'd never needed any medication or anything. Um, she insisted she didn't need anything. And the nurse, in the middle of my mother having a contraction, jammed a needle into her hip and injected her with something that she didn't want. The needle broke. Um, the next few days, you know, I was with her, she was in the hospital, and then at that time, people stayed in the hospital for four days after they had a baby, that was common. Um, And then she went home and she started spiking a fever and she ended up going back to the hospital. The needle was infected with hepatitis. It wasn't a clean needle. And to this day, I mean, of course she, she should have sued her, but she was in hospital out of it. She doesn't have any memory for like a full month. So she doesn't know who I was attuning with. It wouldn't have been her because she, she wouldn't have been allowed to breastfeed me because of the antibiotics and being sick. So we're trying to kind of piece some things together. I'm going to reach out to my dad. But Gabor Mante talks about that, those first three years of life, especially those first, you know, um, days of life when you're, mm. you know, you know being cradled by your by your parent. Um, I want to know <laughs> who that was that was doing it. It could have been my grandma McDonald or my grandma if I was very close with her, and that could be why. could be my dad. could have been a babysitter. I don't know. Um, but it just makes me realize that a lot of the fear and, um, that abandonment feeling that I've had for much of my life can be traced back to that. And probably that was, um, how the ADHD may have, uh, really kind of, um, or the, you know, the, the neural pathways that could have been forming at that point, um, weren't forming because of, um, what happened. Um, right. and you know, that's definitely a trauma for my mother, uh, her remembering that because all this time she didn't, it, and it was actually sparked by reading that book, um, so now we're going to kind of go into detective mode and see what we can find out. <laughs> right. But, it, you know, it's hard to do because my grandma, Galbraith, passed on many years ago. Um, and I loved her dearly. We were very close. But I, I wasn't able to talk to her about those things. But, you know, sleep and rest are all tied into how we feel, like how, how secure we feel in our bodies, how safe we feel. And I think a lot of my life, the reason that I had such insomnia and anxiety is because I didn't feel safe. I just didn't feel safe in my body. didn't feel like um, I could settle down. Um, I've been able to find ways now to do it. Like I said, I think that I'm sleeping really well these days, um, even with everything going on. It's not every day. (laughs) Like, to me, a successful sleep week is if I sleep um, five of the seven nights for, like, consecutively. Like, that was a good week. Right, um, it's a bad week if it's like two good nights and then yeah yeah. Um, do you find that too? Like where you're just like, oh, this is a rock star sleep. I feel so good. Stretch, and get on with my day. Yeah,
0: it's interesting because I don't I don't really think about it that much. Um, I only kind of like notice it when I notice I'm not getting enough of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't. Maybe that's something where like I need to be just kind of like take that moment to reflect upon waking up and be grateful for having a good sleep on the days when that happens um but yeah it's just one of those things where like i don't really notice the days when i have a good sleep or at least i don't kind of like uh you know put a gold star on it and say like hey this is good <laughs> it's just kind of like this is uh this is how i would like things to operate and kind of like you know file it away um mm-hmm. but i certainly notice when it catches up uh i wanted to mm-hmm. double back to a few things from before so Something that you said earlier about cocooning I thought was really interesting because I completely forgot because it has been, you know, a couple decades since I, uh, you know, have been sleeping alone. But, like, um, mm. I I used to, yeah, just, like, as a kid, just grab that sheet and just twist myself into a cocoon as tight as I could before I could go to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. And I I have not thought about that in ages, but that was, like... Absolutely. The last thing I did before I went to bed at night was uh, was wrap myself up Um, another thing. So so part of what that helped with was what you were just talking about about settling down. And Mm -hmm. for me, a big part of that, and especially since I can't sleep on my stomach anymore, uh, as we were talking about earlier, has Mm -hmm. been just kind of like rubbing my feet together. Um And just just like rubbing uh, the top of my foot against the sole of the other and kind of switching them back and forth, you know, like like someone rubbing their hands together um, mm-hmm. has been forever like a big part of how I, I got to sleep. And it's so mm-hmm. funny because um before I, you know, learned the virtues of a pumice stone and uh, lotion, <laughs> I would actually like blow through the fitted sheets on sheet sets. Because they would just get a hole on one side uh, up near the top or the bottom from just me rubbing my feet together and, like, no. my my cracked-ass heels tearing a hole <laughs> in the fiber.
1: I can picture the
0: sound. <laughs> so I'm curious, is that something for you?
1: Um, the, I do rub my feet together a little bit. I don't know that that... Um, but that, that is it. I think I do it more with my hands, like over my mm. head. Um, and I'm trying to think of some of the soothing things that I that I do. Um, and I think sometimes I I hug myself mm. Mm. Um, when I'm when I'm trying to self soothe. Um, and I I just kind of lie in corpse pose in my bed. And um, something I have started doing again with more um, regularity and um, trying to make it a consistent <laughs> ADHD and consistency <laughs> don't usually go together, but um, is, is doing a body scan. So um, after, you know, plowing through and going back to John Kabat-Zinn's book, um, Full, Catastrophe, Full Catastrophe Living, um, that's kind of the foundation is the body scan. So mm. I've realized that my, my brain um, my neurodivergent brain really likes that because it gives me something to focus on. It's like I start with my feet, see how they're doing, and then I move up to my calves and then I move up to my knees. And there's a, like, a system to it. And there's like something really predictable and reassuring about that. So right. um, I do find that doing a body scan, I just kind of do like a regular one, like a light one, if you call it, before bed. But I've now started timing myself in the morning and I lie down with a heating pad because my neck's been sore and we were joking about that i was like how'd you hurt your neck and i was like sleeping i don't know (laughs) it's just like getting older and things get injured but um doing that 30 minute body scan in the morning really grounds me Mm. and it's like okay how is everything i'm actually okay you know um i'm i'm safe um my lungs are working my um my brain seems to be semi-functional. Um, I, You know, my limbs fall asleep really easily. I tend to have like low circulation. So mm. I'm really aware of those tingly things or legs or arms. Um, but it is a reassuring way for me to start the day. And especially after this dental business that I've been through lately. Right. Um, I haven't had to take any pain medication now for five days. So I'm really happy about that. Um, this um, implant that I've had is taking like it's okay. Awesome. So um, after a kind of a rough start with it, I think that was more the antibiotics. Um, my body just like can't take any more antibiotics. I think I've had too many of them in the last year and it's just like, I can't do this. So um, anyway, yeah, that, that the, the, the body scan thing for me is, is a big one. Just fe- I'm feeling safe. Like I think that's something I always have to come back to. And now after this conversation I had yesterday, now I understand the foundation of that, the origins of it um, and which gives me, more to work with, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so no, I don't like rub my feet into. I don't rub my feet so far into the sheets if <laughs> they cause a hole. But I have been using this special mint cream for my. Um, who calls it the anti-crust foot cream? Because <laughs> I don't want to go and get. I don't, you know, I'm not going anywhere that I don't have to these days because of the pandemic. <laughs> but yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, sorry. What were you going to say?
0: I missed that. Oh. um... Oh, just just. Uh, uh, listening to you describe the body scan process um i'm seeing some kind of parallels to i was talking about how uh you know like meditation is something i've tried for a long time and that Mm -hmm. i feel like was always kind of the first step in you know the myriad zen meditation books i took out from the library over the years of -hmm. just like yeah just like just like being on your back and kind of like noticing what's going on in your body and focusing on your breath and all that kind of stuff and it's like Oh, yeah. Interesting. This is kind of like similar tools, just kind of like packaged for different audiences.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah. And one of the things that I really appreciate about John Kevinson is like it's not there's no one size fits all. Right. Um, because I do think that there are some folks that are like, this is how you do it. And I'm like, mm, maybe that's not going to work for my ADHD brain. And I don't think a two hour sit's really a good idea for me because I'll right. You know, um, and I used to go to meditation retreats where that would be part of the thing I'm like okay we're going into our long sit, and I'd be like oh mercy <laughs>
0: Just like
1: screaming inside even though like outside I was like yeah this is all great <laughs> um and then I would lie there ruminating and I'm like why am I doing this um anyway yeah so I think that that's really important um for folks to know too because I've really struggled with it over the years like I've been in some way, uh, curious or involved or committed to uh, different Buddhist groups, mindfulness groups, um, and I've always kind of felt flawed for not um, being able to stick with it, or um, you know, having that sort of what they call bliss bunny kind of attitude about it. Like where people are like, right. I'm just going to go on retreat all the time and move to Bali, and I'm like, ah, that sounds like hell. Like I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> I would never want to do that. But now I'm just being more forgiving with myself and saying, okay, where I'm at at this point in my life, I, I would rather just look at the mindfulness piece and and maybe just kind of skirt around any potential dogma that might come with a religious aspect to it. Mm. Um, and that's just what's working for me at the moment. Um, and, and so I'm just allowing myself to be flexible and just say, okay, you know, maybe at some point I'll join something more formal, um, but not now, like... And I don't want to meditate with people on a screen. That's creepy. Right. <laughs> I can't. Like, I don't know about you if you've tried any of that during the pandemic, but I see those emails. I'm like, no, thank you.
0: <laughs> I did some of those somatics uh, uh, things on Zoom with people. And I actually didn't, I didn't, you know, it's, it's, it's a little awkward, sure. But mm-hmm. um That's actually been a big part of my kind of like personal growth in the last five years since restarting improv is Mm. kind of having to leave behind the like, this is really fucking cringy right now mentality (laughs) because Mm. like, you know, like there's, there's a lot of overlap with like, you know, Christian Bible camp stuff. It's just like Mm. people playing patty cake games and little rhyme things together and stuff. And it's like you know coming in as an outsider who's you know spent the last however many years pretending to be too cool for school and just having (laughs) kind of like no this is people that are having a lot of fucking fun and if you just like let yourself Mm. kind of like not worry about whether someone's gonna take a video of you and make fun of you on the internet after like you can actually have a lot of fun in life and that's kind of been a big Mm. part of the attitude shift that I've been having is just like I'm done kind of hiding i don't I don't want to not put myself out there just because there might be some negative consequences. And so far, you know, like it's largely been positive. so yeah, that's
1: so great, Jordan. I really respect that um that perspective of just kind of like letting allowing yourself to be vulnerable in those places because that that's where the richness is, right? Like that's where the good that's where the gold is um, when we kind of drop all that stuff,
0: yeah. And like, you know, w- without that kind of attitude of like, um, am I going to look like a fucking goof doing this? Like when I when I kind of if I hadn't left that behind, I never would have taken those dance classes. I never mm. would have I never in a million years would have had, uh, you know, the optimism, I guess, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, uh, to go and try things like contact improv, which is like improvised uh contemporary dance with partners where you're like, you know, Using each other as counterbalances and kind of doing like weird gymnastics shit, and it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of trust involved there, and also a lot of like letting your guard down and being willing to kind of quote let it get weird with total strangers. Mm-hmm. But that's also there's a lot of freedom there. So yeah, yeah.
1: So is it like capoeira, kind of like the Brazilian sort of? No,
0: it's it's not. It's not so martial artsy. It's a lot. It's a lot slower, but it's just kind of like. You're navigating the space. It it, it really is um, improv in that there's parallels to like what I do in the theatrical improv sense of like mm. you're just two or more people coming into a quote scene with nothing. And you're navigating mm. the boundaries of what's possible within that together in real time. You know, in improv, that's through doing object work. So if I start slicing up a carrot, we know I'm in a kitchen or something like that or Mm. and saying things to you and in contact improv it's more about like okay what is this person's body language telling me if they're putting Mm. their hip forward to me i should use i should take that as a cue to you know like put my weight on them there because they're kind of like offering that in the same way Mm -hmm. that in an improv scene i might make an offer by saying how'd the job interview go like that is that Uh. now we have an instant context for what's going on in the scene to some degree so it's kind of just that like navigating these boundaries and seeing what's quote creatively possible with another person in this context and language that you've kind of agreed on as a group
1: does that does that really help you um because i often struggle with uh, reading people's body language hmm. do, do you find that taking that has has deepened that capacity for you so that you're better able to intuitively look at someone's body language as being, okay, this is where I need to go because it's done sort of, um, in a more intentional way.
0: I had not thought about that at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've got a lot of better body language skills through improv improv. Um, -hmm. and yeah, that was something that I got into kind of just before lockdown happened, like in the six months before. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I, I don't, Think for me yet, but I think that that's certainly something I'll pay attention to because that's a really good thought.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, it's it is hard on Zoom calls to really read people's body language. That's part of the yeah, fatigue that, that comes in with it, right? Because you know we're just seeing these like squares on our shoulders, and we don't really know if somebody's fidgeting or you know tapping their <laughs> tapping their thing or whatever they. Oh, I just did it. Sorry. um Anyway, uh, yeah, I do, I do find that quite interesting because it's something. I'm questioning now all the time, like am i am I fully paying attention? Um, am I reading this right? am i am I reading what this person is saying right as well, because it uh, that's a lot that has been called into question for me since discovering ADHD and how yeah i um, how I react to what people have said and how what they've said is not what I'm reacting to. yeah. And it happens quite frequently in my relationship. It happens uh, just out in the world. It happens when I'm reading something. Emails. I keep coming back to emails because I'm just like, why are they so hard for me? Um, They never, I think when I didn't think about them that much back in the day when they Mm -hmm. were first like an accessible form of communication, um, I would just dash them off all the time. And then the regret would creep in after because I realized I hadn't read the other email or that I had read it and understood it wrong um and so i'm just uh, kind of reflecting on that too like how to pause how to slow down how to really um read things thoroughly um and i mean i'm not in a high pressure job anymore so there is no this email has to be answered within 15 minutes or it's tardy right that i don't have that anymore so i can actually look at things maybe um more intentionally more restfully um, slow the fuck down, and you know, look at something um, for its whole, and instead of just looking for the, the little bits that um, are where I come in, or are gonna, you know, somebody's asking something of me that I right. don't want to do, or um, making me feel uncomfortable about something, or judging me, or whatever I perceive. If there's a bullet point in an email, that's usually there's gonna be a lot of tasks. That's what I that's how I remember it. <laughs> you know it's been a while for me now it's almost been a year since my job but um yeah I am really thinking about that like how I want to communicate how I want to read things more thoroughly um, maybe even just set like office hours for emails have you done that yet I I know you've really been structuring your time
0: no uh you know what I haven't been great about it lately and that's like Mm -hmm. that that's part of where I'm really struggling is kind of like trying to figure out um yeah a, a routine and kind of like breaking down tasks into subtasks and blah 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 and part of that is just figuring out space. Mm-hmm. Um so something that I feel like kind of touched on a couple times that I wanted to talk about a bit. Um you talked about mm-hmm. in Ontario it being so muggy. Um mm-hmm. you also said that living in Bali would sound like hell and I'm sure most of that was like this being in perpetually on a retreat, but I mm-hmm. wonder is part of that the the heat? Because I personally, I find it a million times easier to sleep in a cold environment. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you know, where it's about five degrees and I have a zillion blankets on me, like the princess and the pea or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And my face is just sticking out like a little cool mushroom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's something I'm coming to understand that... um... I think it's laughable that I used to run away to Costa Rica and Panama in the late '90s, early 2000s, because my friend Holly will tell you that I was pretty cranky. I couldn't sleep, and you know, <laughs> we'd be like, because I, I couldn't swaddle myself, right? Like, you'd have the mosquito nets, right? And and I'm lying there, feeling fully exposed instead of swaddled, right? In a you know, strange environment that I don't know. There's all kinds of strange bugs. There was this lizard that would come into one of our places and. I made the mistake of buying bananas so I could hear him eating the bananas <laughs> in the middle of the night, like, you know, the howling monkeys. The first time I heard them, I'm like, there's a monster in our room. Like it was all like, yeah. So um, I'm realizing that too. That's a really good point. Like that, um, that I'm a bit of a barometer, like temperature changes really affect me. And when it's hot, really, it's really hard for me to sleep. I have to have a fan like right on the bed. I mean, our apartment here is so facing, which is kind of good in the spring and the fall, but in the summer, yeah, I get cranky. It's hard. But, I mean, Ontario summers, to me, are, like, they're not tolerable.
0: Oppressive. Because the
1: fucking black flies, they get in your ears and shit. I'm like, what is, what is this? Your ears are bleeding. Like, this stuff. This, I don't like that my hair is like this. Frizz.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, sec, the second I step off the plane, I look like a, a character from a Dilbert cartoon. <laughs> Just, like, curls janked up at all, like, geometric angles that shouldn't happen on a human figure. And then, mm-hmm. like... Yeah. And I'm just immediately sweating, you know, the Mm -hmm. second I get out of the shower and towel myself off, it's just like blash, and I'm immediately just pouring sweat again. And yeah, yeah, it's so funny because um, as a kid, uh, I used to I used to joke all the time, uh, you know, that I was a lizard and I was like going into Mm. lizard mode, going into snake mode, whatever, because um, I need I need hot temperatures during the daytime. Like I get so sluggish and uh, lethargic if, you know, like if, if it was up to me, like I would keep the house temperature probably around 25 degrees, which is like mm. ludicrous for most people. But then again, like at nighttime when it's restful time, I want to go down to like, like five to 10 degrees, somewhere like that, like mm. super, super cold. Um, And yeah, and it's just, it's funny because even as a kid, I liked that I used to like want to sleep in the basement, um, in a sleeping Mm. bag or whatever, Um, sleep outside, all that kind of stuff. And then part of that's normal kid stuff. But um, shoot, there was somewhere I was going with that. Um, Oh, yeah. And then uh, sort of corollary to that, like being hot in the daytime thing, the first thing I used to do as a kid when I got up was go and uh, kind of squat over the hot air register in the living room with an oversized t-shirt over my knees kind of like getting all this hot air blown up while I was watching cartoons wow.
1: <laughs> in the morning
0: just like just like starting to warm myself up and thaw myself out for the day so that's kind of funny
1: <laughs> totally like lizard I could see you like lying on a hot rock in the sun in the desert and then, like scurrying into a burrow at night right yeah doing that like, thing of like switching
0: feet to feet <laughs> like yeah Lifting the different limbs up in the air.
1: Yeah, I like to do that thing, yeah. Um,
0: Little heat dance.
1: I, I, I do, I have heard and I have read that, you know, being sensitive to temperature is a big deal for ADHD folks, right? Like that we're very, mm. we're very attuned to it and it can, like if I'm uncomfortable, like if I'm too hot or if I'm too cold, nothing else can happen because that's all I'm going to mm. think about. It's all yeah. I'm going to experience and even yesterday, and I have become, I will say this, I'll admit it, I've become quite precious since moving to Vancouver about the temperature fluctuations. Mm. So it'll be 10 degrees Celsius, as it was yesterday. The sun will be out. But I like to say that the wind has fangs. It's coming off that water. And man, the wind is cold. And... <laughs> You know, see people like prancing around in t-shirts and like, I'm like huddled up and I have a scarf and like, we're sitting out in the park, it's supposed to be this enjoyable time. And I'm like, lood, lood, I'm shivering, and cold and cranky because I can't cope and I can't enjoy everything that's going on around me because all I can think about is the fact I'm fucking cold. And this is like, why? Because the first year I was in Vancouver, I was like, what's wrong with you people? It's only 10 degrees, but now I've acclimatized and I'm like, this is cold. And, and like I said, it can impact my whole mood. And like, I'll, I just like, I got to go or just shut things down. I can't just, most people can say, oh, I'm cold, but it's okay. I'll get through it. And you right. know, they, they continue on. I'm like, nope, pulling the plug, day's over. I got to go.
0: <laughs> got to go find a mohair cardigan at some cool shop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I just got to go and like sulk. Cause like, I can't like cope with this weather right now. And if the, if the sun is too bright and I don't have sunglasses, cause I lost my decent sunglasses, uh, or in the, I guess it was in the fall or something. I went for a walk with the camera, and somewhere down at Kid's Beach, somebody inherited a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses, and I'm just like, because <laughs> it was they were in my pocket, right? Out goes the camera, out goes the sunglasses. Sunglasses go to the ground. I don't see it, and by the time I realize they're gone, it was too late. Um, anyway, so like if I don't have like the right eyewear in bright situations, I'm really uncomfortable, and I'll sit like with my hands like this and just like. Although I might do what some of the little old ladies do around Vancouver and just get like a parasol.
0: I think that's cool. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and maybe like maybe a visor. You know, I see those ladies around Kitsilana with Oh, yeah, visors yeah, yeah. And their little weights.
0: <laughs> get one of those real 70s looking kind of like uh, uh casino. You know, the, the, there was like. They're, they're made out of that kind of like translucent green plastic like the casino visors are, but they're those really big oversized beach ones that have like some white novelty screen print on them, that kind of thing. Maybe you yeah. get one that says kits. <laughs> uh,
1: you know what I'm trying to remember? I'm actually not trying to remember. I'm just remembering him right now. Did you ever know Camel Krulis in Calgary? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he was the visor king. I would always. Oh, see yeah? him, he always looked like he just came off the tennis court, and usually he had. He liked to play tennis, but I just always nice. have memories of him outside the ship and anchor with his visor.
0: <laughs> it's a strong look if you can pull it off i can't
1: yeah i don't know if i can pull it off the last time i wore a
0: visor was when i worked at mcdonald's
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i had to wear one when i was um i worked at a place uh what was it called michelle's baguette and it was supposed to be Ooh. a french place but it was not really it was uh it was in what used to be called scotia center downtown um and like the be- right in between the skinny escalators and it was there and we sold like really oily croissants and omelets (laughs) but we had these silly little visors and yeah that uh, god what would they pay me 315 hour or something you know to slice bagels and serve croissants and i was you know 18 but still that's that's
0: what was so funny about like so I was working at McDonald's um, during the time of the big Alberta minimum wage raise from uh four twenty-five to I think it was six fifty. Mm. Uh and that was just like to Looking suddenly large. at McDonald's, yeah. Well, seriously though, to suddenly at McDonald's be getting a fifty percent raise is like, holy shit, this is sick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <You're>, like stoked.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you know, like the, I, I I got more money than the guy who'd like, you know, made crew trainer and was like super stoked about it like two months prior and got like a 50 cent raise which you know big deal when you're that age and kind of in your first job or whatever so yeah it was funny um so i want to go back to something Mm. for a sec uh about sunglasses Mm -hmm. um so of course because i'm a person with adhd i remember every single time that i've ever wronged someone and hurt someone and um so the sunglasses thing is really funny because that's something that in all of the reading about sensory overstimulation and all this stuff that I've done, you know, obviously mm. sound is the big one for me, light, not so much. Um, mm. but it's different for everyone. And of course there are people who are super photosensitive, especially like, you know, there's people with autism where it's like super, it's much more of an issue for them. Mm-hmm. And yet I just like, I have never forgotten to this day, um, being in like, I think it was the Sentry box. Yeah. I was, do you, do you know the Sentry box?
1: Century box. It's not it's not
0: so a- that was kind of by um kind of on the, the, the bow trail flyover out of like 10th Street downtown. Uh mm. 10th Avenue, excuse me, downtown. Okay. Um and so it's like this board game and role-playing game store that has, oh, you know, every yes. game under the sun. Yes. And then they would also have like tables where you could get together and play games. So uh so I remember being a teenager and like going into drop-in one Sunday to play D, and there is like the like sunglasses indoors guy. And so, of course, you know, smart ass fucking 16-year-old are like, oh hey, rock star, like fucking cool sunglasses or whatever. <laughs> to this person, I just don't even know because I'm just like, you know, a teenaged asshole. And of course, this was how I found out that like photosensitivity was a thing. And he mm. was super, super patient and was like, hey, no, this is actually like uh th- these are prescription. Like I I my eyes are super sensitive to light, and I just like I can't take as much visible light as like regular people can. And I felt like the world's fucking biggest asshole and mm. deservedly so. Um, But yeah, and that's something that I'm like kind of realizing that I could very well benefit from things like walking around with earplugs in all the time. If I'm mm. not actively listening to music or something like that, I'm realizing would benefit me hugely. And that's something that I should start doing because That's something where when I'm trying to write, when I'm trying to do concentration work, when I'm trying to like organize Mm. or think about things, if a fucking dog starts barking outside, if a car alarm starts going, if Mm. something happens, it's like it's like a gunshot and it just totally disrupts my whole shit. And Mm. so that's part of what I'm getting so bent out of shape about and feeling like I can't get anything done is these noise distractions where. I can't use my usual trick of just putting on music because I don't, I can't have that input either. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, me walking around with a pair of fluorescent orange earplugs sticking out of my ears. If I had gone into the sentry box and sat Mm -hmm. down at that table and someone would be like, Oh, Hey, nice, nice fucking earplugs, whatever (laughs) alien. (laughs) Like I would have been like, I need these to get through life. This is sound really hurts my ears. And just like, Yup it could have been totally the inverse. And like, so yeah, that guy, if you're out there, uh, I'm really fucking sorry, man.
1: <laughs> I've oh. grown a
0: lot since then.
1: <laughs> and you know, it's funny when you say that, I think that when I think of folks that are in, you know, maybe gaming and kind of geeking out on, you know, more fringy kind of things, uh, the mainstream, you would think that, I would think anyway, that they would tend to be a little bit more forgiving, right? and And, um, and more open to different, Yes. ways of looking at things and I just remembered the century box because I worked on that movie with Mike Peterson as a oh yes 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 the LARPing the movie. one with uh
0: with uh Brian Posehn in it right that's
1: right with and we've the heavy metal van yes yeah so we yeah. filmed a scene at the century box and so now and now I remember that and I remember having to film like at you know, 6 a.m or something
0: I totally forgot you were involved in that
1: yeah yeah that was um this is funny, ADHD, because he invited me to, to be along and uh, the producer, I'm trying to remember his name, he was such a nice guy. Um, he's still involved in the creative community in Calgary. It'll come to me, I hope. At any rate, you know, they invite me to do it and, you know, it's a stipend like, because they have such a small budget. But I was like, oh, at the time I thought I wanted to get into stills photography, so I was really excited about it. Um, but then um, I tried to bail The night before production started (laughs) because I got really, really freaked out because I got like wicked imposter syndrome because I had, I had talked to Kimberly French. who's like the best. She's like top tier. She's like the best sales photographer working in the business. And she eventually became my friend, but her and I were talking on the phone prior to production. She was giving me all these like tips and stuff. And I just got so overwhelmed and so scared um, because I didn't have. I didn't have a ring light. I didn't have like the big sexy lenses. I couldn't like shoot from far away. Right. And I tried to bail. Um, and um they they convinced me to do it. And I'm glad that I did now. I learned a lot in that. But they also had other photographers come in to cover some of right. the other stuff. Um, but it was it was a it's you know, it's when I think back on it now, I'm like classic ADHD imposter syndrome, like the night yep. before. Like, come on, Robbie, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but now that I know what that was, it, you know. Sorry, Mike, if you're listening, <laughs> doling out apologies because I was I was very emotionally needy during that whole experience, um, and uh, now I know why. Now I understand why, right? But yeah, like the LARPing kids, they're cool, man. Like they were really nice. Like everybody that was involved in that production.
0: And and again, it's so funny because like you're absolutely right. They they rightfully look to these spaces as being more kind of inclusive or safe, for lack of a better word. And, you know, like, my whole shit was, like, I obviously was super insecure about who I was and wanted to be, like, there and part of it, but somehow also above it. You know what I mean? Like, like mm. uh, clearly, I'm as big of a fucking nerd as anyone else in this building. I'm here on a Saturday sitting down at the table rolling dice and moving this little painted cleric around with the rest of you guys. Like, <laughs> I, I who am I to, like, you know... But that's that's being a teenager, right, is like you have no Mm self-esteem and an easy way to get some is by cutting someone else down who has even less just just finding that place on the totem pole.
1: And that's, you know, and that's like how they want us to live in capitalism, capitalism anyway. Absolutely. It's just like you're if you're at the top, then somebody's got to be underneath you and you'll feel superior. And that's how it goes. That's like individualism run rampant. Right. Just like if you feel a little bit superior, then that's better than feeling vulnerable <laughs> and and connected right um, shout out Brené Brown for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's interesting when I look back on some of those situations now um, professionally you know creatively and otherwise like how I would always try to bail mm. on things as soon as the imposter syndrome like started to get its tentacles around me and <clears throat> suffocate my creativity and my confidence. I would just like, oh, I'm not worthy of this, and I can't do it, and come up with some kind of excuse, or my body would shut down. My mom reminded me of that yesterday. Like, I got mono when I was trying to write the book. Bu- the book about road rage. I was like, my body went, nope.
0: <laughs> That's such an interesting one. Um, so there's, I, I'm not sure if you follow her on Twitter. There's a woman I follow on there called uh, Erica Heidelwald. I think her name is, um, Erica Heidelwald, mm-hmm. proud autistic bitch. Uh, so. She mm-hmm. she posted something the other day. Oh shit! What was what were you just talking about? I lost my train of thought when I was trying to remember this person's name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm chuckling because <laughs> now I'm not going to remember she... either. Um, oh my goodness! On um, the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tentacles, um, insecurity. Brené Brown. Uh,
0: uh, it was something um, to do with the oh yeah yeah, yeah the body shutdown thing. Um. The so body right. Thing. So so she was talking about she she put a thread out about how living with another person has really been useful for for her because um, she has another person's viewpoint on her own kind of behavior and perceptions. And something Mm. that her roommate pointed out to her was that she gets this like physiological avoidance strategy, quote unquote, of becoming physically tired and and her body shutting down when she's going to do a task that she doesn't want to do or she's trying to avoid or things like that where it's like, you know, okay, at noon, I am going to sit down and write this essay or whatever. And then suddenly at 1135, like, you crash, like, hard. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of like an unconscious physiological protection mechanism that your body's kicking into gear to save you against your, a a perceived possible bad outcome. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something that, like, you know, I read that thread and I was like, Oh, shit. Like that happens to me all the time where like, you know, I have Mm -hmm. a hard conversation that I need to have or like some sort of small conflict that I need to resolve. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. the second it comes up, I either become physically like so, so, so tired and crash so hard or I go the other route, which is actually what's happening right now as I'm even just talking about it, which is. My body goes into like turbo anxiety mode, like my legs Mm. are both quaking right now Mm. under the desk and like the the whole lower half of my body's like shaking really hard right now. And that's Mm. the other way it goes is into effectively a different kind of shutdown where I get Mm. into this like hyper kind of tensile state. I'm basically vibrating Mm. and get like really cold and just kind of like crawl into bed So both, both, Mm. um, both things, fuck, (laughs) but -hmm. both, both, they they both have the same outcome, which is I'm in bed and cocooning to some degree and kind of Mm -hmm. like balled up on myself. So yeah, it's, she, she was talking Mm -hmm. about kind of like how having someone point that out was really useful to like try and figure out Mm -hmm. mitigation strategies and like, okay, how do Mm -hmm. I kind of like push through this stuff when I need to, um, But yeah, like I just I hadn't even ever made that association before that it would be an unconscious kind of uh, strategy to not deal with this stuff or to protect yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, And you reminded me of something that happened um, with me in twenty sixteen. I started to develop um, a tremor mm. and on my head, so um, my head would bounce like back and forth, like as though I had Parkinson's, mm. right? And I thought I did, so um, it, it became more and more pronounced. And um, we ended up going to VGH because the doctor said it's the fastest way to get a scan and get tested. So um, we did that, and and they did a bunch of tests and. They diagnosed me with something called a psychogenic tremor, Mm. which is basically saying it's all in your head. Yeah. Um, And at first I was really frustrated because I was like, fuck, like there must be something, there must be some physiological thing to this. But then the more research I did, the more I discovered that it it had everything to do with my emotional state of mind, my emotional being. And um, I wasn't expressing myself fully and I wasn't allowing myself to feel things. And I wasn't um, saying when I needed something and so, I, you know, I was able to get into some sliding scale therapy and we worked through things. And within three months, it stopped. But there were times like, I remember, we were, this is a funny story about Calgary, <laughs> my final days in Calgary. Um, but so we were coming back from a meditation retreat in Washington state. And um, I was asked to come to the front. They, they, they called my name, they stopped the car, they pulled us over and they called me into the front, coming back into Canada. And I was like, oh, dear. My head starts going like this. And everybody in the car is like, oh, dear. Because, you know, I hadn't really resolved it yet. Right. But everybody knew that I was upset. I couldn't pretend. Right. You know. <laughs> and so I'm like, they're talking to the guy. I'm doing this. And he's like, did you get a C train ticket in Calgary? Oh,
0: my God.
1: And in like 2000. No, it was 2012. And I was like, oh, I did. And I brought the bill with me to Vancouver because it literally happened two days before I was moving. So I couldn't pay right. it right away. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pay this. I'm going to pay it. And I had this pink, you know, ticket with me in my suitcase and I carted it around for the longest time. And then somewhere along the line, I just forgot about right. it. Right. <laughs> so I had a warrant out from my <laughs> So he was like, and I'm like this, like my head's like shaking so hard. Oh and he was God. like, okay, this poor woman, we're just going to let her go. But he's like, when you get home, here's a number to call. I'll give me your credit card and pay it off. And I did that as soon as I came back. But oh my goodness, it was like a classic example of like my body for the longest time. Or what seemed the longest time. It was only several months, but at the time it was really scary. But that was my body's way of saying, you're not, you're not processing yeah. your... Um, you're not expressing. And then as soon as I started doing that, it stopped. But even when I get super fatigued now, I'll start to get a little Mm. bit of it. Um, But it's, yeah, our bodies are so, like they're so attuned to everything, right? And the fatigue piece too, like my former job, I used to walk in the front door of that building and feel immediately tired and want (laughs) to leave. I knew I had like 10 hours ahead of me. I was like, (laughs) oh God. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the shaking and like, um, just wanting to feel safe right? I think those are really valid things. Sometimes you have to do that. Yep. Like sometimes maybe the situation isn't healthy for you and, and you need to step back. And that's your body's way of saying, let's, let's just calm down <laughs> for a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and feeling the feels too. That's, I'm, that's something that's become so important to me in the last few years, even before discovering the ADHD um, in my relationship and in general, like of just having to say, I'm tired. Like I don't want to stay up and do this anymore. I gotta go to bed. Yeah, before my head, you know, before the my body starts saying it for me, you know.
0: Yeah, before you kind of get that cumulative effect of crashing mm-hmm. after a few days of that is just like, okay, no, it's nine o'clock. Like I really need to pull, pull the plug and just go to bed. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm getting better at that too. And I mean, you know, unfortunately, I do get really cranky at the end of the day and my. My partner, my long-suffering partner, <laughs> has just become, has become um, okay with that. But I, I kind of wish I wasn't that way. But it is, it is how it is right now. I'm hoping that's going to kind of taper off. And then this could be something for another. I think this could be another episode entirely is talking about medication and moods. Because mm. um, I, I just switched my medication from Concerta to something called Foquest. Mm. And uh, it's way better for me. It lasts all day. Um, but you know, everybody's different in that way as well. Um, but I've really noticed a huge difference and my moods. Don't do this as much. Mm. Um, and I don't crash at three o'clock. Yeah. You know, are you still doing Concerta? Is that the one you're, Yep. yeah.
0: It, a, a generic of it, but yeah, same thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, it lasts yeah. long enough for your system. Do you find? Yeah. I
0: mean, like, you know, I, I definitely, I feel like I'm de- more, I, I keep saying more productive is my metric. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm happier on it than off. Let's go with that one. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely notice that it's like bringing benefits to my life, but I also certainly am much more aware now of when it's worn off because mm-hmm. I can definitely see like some of the crashes mood wise and cognition wise, you know, like after a certain time of day, it's just like I, I need to front load certain kinds of intellectual work. Um, Mm-hmm. to kind of like time it with the meds and that's again where things like the noise distractions and stuff mm-hmm. become that much more frustrating because it's like i've only got this certain window where my brain's firing on all cylinders and i want to get these kinds of certain things done and so when something disrupts that it's you know if i had a better attitude about it i might be able to get back on the train faster mm. but um it's just frustrating and hard to stay out of a negative mindset about and be like you know get just get kind of into like i guess grumbly brain <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like well, oh, of course it's gonna happen i in mean, medication i don't have so long to do this mm-hmm. that's kind of you know like the the grumbly brain hamster wheel starts going <laughs> right.
1: cranky pantalones is my partner's name for me um into that state of mind where i'm just like everything sucks i hate these beans yeah. He's just like looking at his watch like oh yeah there we go <laughs> that's at the time of day this is gonna happen and and you're absolutely right like it's better to try to front load all the things that require a certain amount of focus and emotional capacity and um yeah and i'm noticing just as we're talking that <clears throat> janice our passive aggressive seagull uh was outside Just squawking now. And I don't. I
0: wasn't sure what that sound was. I'm
1: hoping the mic's not. If you could hear it, then that means it did get. Yeah, it's definitely on there. Listeners, uh, meet Janice. She sends out passive aggressive emails about recycling (laughs) and she steals everything on our balcony that could be edible. So (laughs) she's a real piece of work. (laughs) She's nesting on the the roof right now. So um, soon we'll hear her little one cheeping all day long for like about a month and then they'll move along and then they'll stop. And then the crows are going to have their... That's cute, though. The crows are... uh, It's really cute, actually. It's just that she's so loud. Totally. And huge. Like, these things have, like, a big-ass wingspan. Um, They're way bigger than, like, the the crows... Not the crows. The seagulls of Vancouver are much more menacing than the seagulls of... The parking lot seagulls of Calgary. Right. They're big, and they don't... What about
0: the dump seagulls? (laughs) Yeah,
1: the dump seagulls, right? Like, they're smaller, right? But I remember in Lawn, like, going up to the co-op, when I lived in Inglewood, cause that was the grocery store we would go to. Um, and the, yeah, the these little seagulls skittering around looking for French fries. Like they were nothing like these yep. guys, man. They're like, they're not fucking around. <laughs> um, so we're, I feel like we're coming up on an hour now. We are. We've had some really good, I think threads of conversation here. I really enjoy this. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that, that we didn't cover that we should touch on today? Hmm sleep
0: caffeine. Well, I, I feel like, yeah, I was going to say rest wise, of course, you know, there's always the like substances angle, but it, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's material for an episode in itself. I feel like, yeah. um, cause yeah, we talked about that a little bit in the first episode, um, about like kind of self-medicating to get to sleep and dealing with sleep issues that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's certainly room to expand on that. And that's maybe something where we can find someone to join us to talk about that. That'd be kind of cool.
1: Yeah. I think that would be great. <laughs> Yeah, are you having a concert with well, that's gonna be really loud I can tell um are you having a concerting on because I get those sometimes like the medication or it's just like
0: no I woke up uh well I didn't wake up late I woke up at my normal time but I forgot to take my meds today oh, shit. Um, and didn't realize it until we were just about to jump on a call and I'm like well this is gonna be too late in the day um so so yeah so I'm just like just trying to jam coffee into myself instead uh and that's you know it's working but I'm I'm a little tired part of that's probably because also because we've been talking for an hour and that's an energy expenditure so yeah
1: and it, the the zoom fatigue hits right that's like time to stop
0: yeah
1: and i always know when i'm losing my voice too
0: <laughs> oh yes so i actually wanted to go back to that for a second um mm. something that i thought was interesting about you talking about zoom fatigue um that where was i going with this right so that not not necessarily just Zoom fatigue, but also that kind of perceived awkwardness of doing certain kinds of activities over Zoom, Mm. I feel like part of that is having the kind of instant feedback of being able to see yourself Mm -hmm. and having a not just an awareness of yourself in body, but an outside lens on yourself, having yourself reflected back to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, of course, there's mirrors in the dance studios, so you can always see yourself. But you're rarely seeing yourself that close, Mm -hmm. and um, you're also really, like, you're so much more oriented on the person's body, Um, and just the way that Zoom is set up, you are in your own peripheral vision, Uh, because there's kind of this tiny version of you in the corner, right? Mm -hmm. That that doesn't exist. I get my hands, I get my feet, I can see my knees and my body, Mm -hmm. but I'm never looking at my face and being like, oh, that's a fucking weird facial expression for a human to make. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where I feel like so much of uh, so much of that anxiety comes in is because we are getting this constant feedback loop of what we look like. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're worrying about something that we shouldn't physiologically even be able to worry about while we're interacting with another person. And then that in itself, I feel like is it must be it can't not be a huge contributor to Zoom fatigue Yes, is because You're constantly performing a version of yourself and also getting live feedback and notes on it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so well said, Jordan. And that's exactly um, my thoughts on it, too, is that once I realized that I could either minimize myself to like just being a small square or even just turn my camera off altogether, it really helped. Um, instead of like the speaker view or whatever when it was popping back and forth so I could see myself talking in real time I I don't have to look at that anymore thank goodness Um, and for those out there that don't know that like you you can actually change the way that your zoom layout is so that you're not seeing yourself perpetually Um, because it does feel awkward and weird right it's just like oh dear what's going on with my neck why am I why am I wincing I don't do I wince when I laugh I didn't know that you know like all these things that yeah um for those that aren't aren't comfortable with being constantly on and constantly feeling like performative. Right. Um, and I think it's one of the reasons that my, the burnout at my old job was so fast and abrupt too, was those zoom calls going on for 12 hours a day.
0: Right. But right. before I
1: knew, I mean, they were teams meetings, but the same thing, just like relentless. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I don't, I don't think we're built to be in that state of, of constant performance. And maybe that's one of the reasons actors get paid so well is because they're able to navigate that, and be on when they need to be
0: absolutely right
1: and so i think they deserve that in a way like i don't think we're actually meant to to be constantly on um no you know and so it's good to take those rests. good to take a break like i think there's companies now i read an article in the guardian i think it was last week or two weeks ago um some there's a company in the uk i think it's a bank um fridays are mandatory zoom free day mm. no fucking zooming on fridays give everybody a break man nice you know? <laughs> You know, I think that's a good idea. I think there should be a four-day work week anyway, but yeah, I, th- I think that's a good step. I think companies that are starting to understand, and I heard a term um, from a friend of mine from the Buddhist group, uh, Larry, um, he was talking about low-trust environments, and when you're in a low-trust environment, you're going to be in meetings mm. all day, but he did something at right. his old job, I think he used to work at Boeing or something, he's American, and he said, we would start to put the cost of the meeting on a whiteboard. This is the cost and salary of all these people that you have gathered right. in this room for this meeting that could have been an email, and it's like almost six figures. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? And I think that's a great idea. Anyway, I know we didn't. We, I think so too. We weren't going to talk so much about work today, but I just thought that that was um, a really good like, way of looking at things. You know, if you're in an organization that's like meeting focused, like put it in the budget. Like, how much does this meeting actually cost?
0: Yeah. You know? um, do you have five more minutes? Sure. Sure. Cool. So, so something, just, just talking about video calls and kind of performance of self. Um, did you ever read that book, Infinite Jest? I know he's not a popular guy on Twitter these days.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no I never read Infinite Jest, although I know a lot of people that have.
0: Yeah. So that was, I was, of course, a uh, precocious teenager and very much wanted to be seen carting around a fucking thousand page hardback novel on the bus. So I bought that at you know, in like the chapters discount bin when I was like, I don't know, 15, 16, something like that. Mm. Um, and, uh, part of what he talks about in there was this widespread adoption of a video calling technology Mm. and people, nobody wanted to do it, but everybody felt beholden to do it because it's what was the new popular thing. And Mm. so, you know, it was like, everyone felt like they had to be made up at all times Mm -hmm. and they had to be kind of ready to quote perform for the camera even if they're you know uh even if it's sunday morning at 8 a.m and you're making eggs and bacon like you can't just do that in your robe anymore because you might get a call from someone and have to be uh prepared for that so this whole little side industry springs up of these lifelike latex masks (laughs) Of the person kind of at their best where they're all fully made up and like, you know, skin scrubbed and pores shining and all that. And so before when, when someone when someone's video phone rings, they yank this latex mask over to kind of put their face on and <laughs> present the best version of themselves. And. I thought that this was all fucking absurd in the late 90s reading this and like there will never, ever, ever be widespread (laughs) adoption of video calls for exactly this reason, because nobody wants to walk around feeling like they're needing to be on quote all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's impossible not to do that in this video environment. And it's just striking to me not only how much that has come true, that video calls have been far more widespread adoption than I expected. Mm -hmm. Although without the angle of unexpected ones, it seems to be something that people schedule more than just reach out randomly that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But the flip of it was realizing that it wasn't latex masks, but, you know, he didn't have a way of predicting these kind of AR face recognition filters mm. of like, you know, I'm just going to put my live kitty face on right. for a while. <laughs> and like, it's funny because you're a cat, but it's also like, I don't have to fucking worry about what I look like right now mm. because I'm a cat or I'm uh, the smiling baby son from the Teletubbies or I'm a chocolate chip cookie or whatever else. Yeah. Like it's it's its own kind of mask and way to not have to worry about the performance of self and maintaining that on a call. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting.
1: So interesting. I didn't know that he had essentially predicted that.
0: Um, Well, I don't know about, I'm sure he wasn't the first one, but it's, it it was just surprising to me as, as one of the things that I really wrote off as like, nah, this is like, this is still just total sci-fi. Yeah.
1: That's never going to happen. Right. But yeah, here we are. Yeah. Um, And again, I think it really does kind of um, depend on what sort of, on how you're working, how you're organizing, uh, who you're working with, right? Um, How often and how, how intense those have to be. Um, I think that there's a lot of people now that have realized just how draining they are. So they're not forcing them on people as much as they used to, um, which is great. And I think that people that are actually really deeply considering how, how they structure things and how it impacts the people that they work with and align themselves with. I think that, I am seeing that and I'm actually spending less time on LinkedIn these days just because of that. I'm just like, Ew. yeah. <laughs> There's just too many people that are just like how to optimize Zoom for the and I'm just like, oh, just fatiguing. Fatiguing. We need naps. We need we're, we're meant for naps and gathering berries, not optimizing our fucking Zoom. Anyway, sorry. That's my judgment. That's my judgy voice. I'm trying to be less judgy. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, we're all uh, we're all on our own paths. <laughs> that's true.
1: We are we are all, and I'm trying to be more generous, and that's something I have been really focusing on, especially now with the a potential third lock. Um, I don't want to call it oh God, stay yeah. at home order. I think we're going to get an announcement today. There's there's a throne speech coming, and you guys aren't. You guys aren't in, in stay-at-home orders in like Alberta, are you?
0: No, we're in more half-ass bullshit, and you know we're at forty-four hundred cases or something right now. Like it's
1: yeah, we're um, Bonnie. Henry has, I think, overall just been such a calm, wonderful presence, but I think she kind of dropped the ball this time. I think they, mm. I think they should have done stay-at-home uh, weeks ago um, because of the outbreak in Whistler. And all this we're seeing the fallout yeah. from Spring Break right now. Um, yep, and Ontario, where my sister is, they've they've gone into to full stay-at-home orders yeah and they she has an app and i didn't we don't have it here so she was potentially exposed to somebody a couple weeks ago so she knew to quarantine for two weeks
0: yeah we don't have that here that's oh no sorry i don't know what's going on then because that's that's been a big part of the problems with the rollout in alberta was that we didn't want to get on board the national tracing app and wanted to roll out our own shit but i'm not sure what's up what's the deal with bc yeah
1: i i haven't had any access to that or maybe I could be totally wrong but I don't think we have it here I mean I've been able to sign up for my vaccine and and those right. numbers are going out really quickly I think I'm probably going to get it in the next two weeks um, which is good awesome um, my mom's fully vaccinated my stepdad will be soon um, my dad in Ontario so I'm, I'm grateful for that but yeah the uh, the I think that the sort of in or the the lack of uh will you know to to just kind of say let's just go like at zero, like they did in New Zealand, they're out there having concerts now, you know. Um, but you know we can't do anything about that. So I'm trying to remember that. I'm trying to remember I have no control and to just surrender to what it is and yeah. know that I have a profound privilege in being able to stay safe at home and um, just be okay. Just rest, I guess. Take another fucking nap. Take one of those discouraged naps that you take in the afternoon after seeing something really bad and you have to go lie down. For <laughs> I like that term, discouraged napping. Just like, oh fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to laugh about it with you, Jordan, because mm-hmm. it is. It is hard. It's hard to uh, to be in this. It's hard for all of us, you know. But harder for more. Harder for some people than others. Yep. Right. It's yeah. It's we are trying to be alive. It's. I'm, I'm gonna. Th- I think I'm actually gonna see the 1111 again. I've been seeing that so much. Oh nice. On the top right hand. Yeah. That, I think that means you're on the right path or some shit. I'm swearing a lot today. It's okay. <sighs> yeah, this, this is our thing. this is
0: our sweary platform.
1: This is our sweary platform, right? Expletives galore! Woohoo! <laughs> um, okay, my friends, should we wrap up and I think so. Finish recording here. Yeah. Um, and okay, there's eleven, eleven. So that's a good sign.
0: If you're an ADHDer who has any tips or tricks or things that you found work for you getting to sleep a little bit better, uh, feel free to leave us a voicemail on our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash holyshitihaveadhd, or you can email us, holyshitihaveadhd at gmail.com. Thanks. Thanks,
1: Jordan. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing what some of the other folks are doing out there. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: If you enjoyed Holy Shit I Have ADHD, subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media.
1: A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at, you guessed it, holy shit, I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode
0: notes. Speaking of pages, if you'd like even more from Robbie and Jordan, there are personal essays, ADHD resources, book reviews, and a discussion post for each episode and mini-sode over on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash holy shit I have ADHD.
1: Bye for now, and hyper focus on the positive.